Ecclesiastes 4, 9, one verse for now. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. I want to speak tonight about making and keeping friends. God bless you. Please be seated. Quick reminder, revive relationships. Sunday's messages have been revive relationships from Malachi. And we had Youth Week, Brother DJ Hill, the 18th, Fight for Family. This past Sunday, Build an Ark. The Wednesdays I spoke on the 7th of February on Reconciliation, on the 14th on Revive Marriage, uh, then last Wednesday night, Love Never Fails. And tonight I had pondered going back into Ephesians 5 and 6 to talk about marriage, family, but I really felt uh, that I'd covered that to some degree on the 14th, and there's it's a lot there. Can't cover that in a just by reading through that passage. But as I prayed about tonight, I felt like I needed to uh, speak about uh, about friendship. So that's my plan: making and keeping friends, or you know, reviving friendship. So that's the direction uh, that we're going to head in. As I was reviewing. Um, Thinking about the past and friendship messages and lessons, uh, back in the day when we had one service, we celebrated Friend Day. Some churches call it Friends Day. Here is Friend Day. And we would have some years, 100 guests on Friend Day. Go to the Family Life Center, eat chicken dinner, and visit with our friends. It was wonderful. And I thought maybe, maybe in the future we can do that. Again, at least till we grow to the place we need to have two services again. But I, I did some ref, I did some reflecting and uh, going through. You know, I have illustrations and scriptural principles and all kinds of notes, dozens of messages actually on several dozen messages on friendship. And uh, so I was reflective about that, and I, I thought about and just kind of glanced at the titles and went through a message on cultivating healthy relationships. I've taught series on cultivating healthy relationships. But in our, in our lives, friends are not a luxury. They really are a necessity. And our text says that two are better than one, and I'll get to that later. Uh, friendship is a biblical concept as we go through the scriptures tonight. <clears throat> You'll see a lot about that. But God even has friends. God counts us as his friends. In 2 Chronicles 20, the Lord said that Abraham was thy friend. Abraham, thy friend forever. Isaiah 48, 41 and 8 speaks of Abraham as God's friend. The Lord said, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Isn't that amazing that God would speak of a man and say that, you know, Abraham, he's my friend. What an amazing relationship he would have had. James 2.23 speaks of Abraham again, that he was called the friend of God. God. God called him his friend. Moses had such an intimate relationship with God, a close friendship, that Exodus 33.11 says that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. Now, it's interesting when you read about men in conversation that some great conversations between men are 
sometimes side by side, walking down the road where you're not looking eye to eye. You know, guys might be like that sometimes. But the Bible said that Moses talked to God face to face as a man talks to his friend. Jesus referred to his discipleship, disciples as friends uh, because he explained himself to them. There's a little more in this passage. I'm sorry I'm not displaying this verse now, but John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I may get to that verse later. You are my friends, Jesus said, if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, I don't think we can say that to peers, that you're my friend if you do whatever I tell you to do. But Jesus described our friendship with him as an obedient friendship. Henceforth I call you no more, not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. In other words, Jesus said, the master-servant relationship is based on commands. Do this, do that. You don't even have to have understanding. You just have to do what you're told, and you can be a servant. But Jesus said, I brought you closer than that. There's a dimension of our relationship with God where we are his servants. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. But there's a dimension of our relationship that's a little more than that. When you get closer to God, where he, he explains himself. When God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he, he said, shall I hide the thing that I'm going to do from Abraham? I know he'll command his family, his children after him. So the Lord said, I really need to, to let Abraham in on this thing that I'm going to do. Abraham, that friend of God. And in a culture that we live in now of road rage, garage doors, privacy fences, tinted windows, air conditioning, burglar alarms and burglar bars, developing friendships can be a challenge. And in a world where a person can have hundreds of virtual friends, but very few real friends, actual friends, developing, cultivating friendships is so important. In a world of frauds, fakes, hypocrites, cynicism, distrust, dishonest people, being a trusted friend and having trusted friends is a necessity. I, I read a somewhat humorous story about a businessman. He was asked about his feelings toward a competitor that was just down the street. And he said, there is nothing in the world that I wouldn't do for Bill Johnson. He said, there's nothing in the world he wouldn't do for me. That's the way we are. We go through life doing nothing for each other. <laughs> One of the greatest needs that we have is for friendship. And, and I wanted to address God's desire for friendship with us. And you know, kind of implied in the Garden of Eden that God talked with them in the cool of the day. Let Adam name all the animals. Let Adam name his own wife. And, you know, there was a close affinity there, a relationship that God desired to have. But God is love. God so loved the world that he gave. 
and he chose to enter into a friendship with his people. We desperately need friends. Now, now I know what is true, that if you go through life and you have a handful, maybe not even an entire handful of trusted, close friends, you can consider yourself a blessed person. Last night in our ministerial advance, Brother Drew is working through a book he's teaching and talking about this inner circle of friendships. And I share with him, I'm planning to teach on this tomorrow and kind of already let Sister Cooper know, Brother Ryan know, uh, kind of for planning for this service. But we need friends and you have to work at it. Now, back to our text tonight uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter four. I'm going to take a few moments to go through this passage, and you'll notice as I get into this message that a lot of the scriptures that speak of friendships are found in the book of Proverbs. As a pastor, I'm not a doctor, I'm a pastor, but I've often prescribed Proverbs to people because it's a book of wisdom and relationships, and it says a lot, a whole lot about friendships. But this is Ecclesiastes Chapter 4, verse 7, New King James. Then I returned, and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone. It's a person. He's all by themselves. He has neither son nor brother, excuse me, without companion. I don't want to forget that because this is a broad explanation of his life. He doesn't have a companion, which could mean a spouse or a friend. You can study this yourself. He has neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Now, I want to talk about this verse, but I want to talk about Solomon a minute. This is an intended side trip to to wisdom and learning. Uh, You can have eyesight without insight. And Solomon said, I saw this. I saw this person who is all by themselves. They don't have anybody else. And they work all their life. They work extremely hard, but they don't even think about who am I leaving this to and where is all this going? So Solomon has this insight into what his eyesight saw. So some people live and never learn. But Solomon was a very wise man who observed and he learned lessons from what he saw. I'm going to take this side trip to give you a little lesson into Solomon. And I love this story from Proverbs 24, 30, New Living Translation on the screen. This is not about friendship. It's about having insight into what you see. Solomon said, I walked by the field of a lazy person. The vineyard was one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds. Its walls were broken down. Here's a guy. He doesn't take care of his property, doesn't take care of his vineyard. So Solomon sees it, okay? Eyesight. Verse 32, then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. So I want to pause right here to say, you should really stop and think, observe, 
I love the word ponder. You know, Mary pondered these things in her heart. One of my favorite words. To stop and think about it. To reflect. To not just always have something piped into your brain. But have time when you can think about what you see. What you read. What you observe in life. So this is what Solomon does. So he said, I looked. And I thought about it. I learned this lesson. That's what we're going to do tonight. When we look into the word of God about friendships, but this is not about friendship. It's about learning. So here's Solomon's lesson. Verse 33, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. We should be people who pray, who study God's word, let it speak to us. Meditation in the Bible is not sitting with your legs crossed and your hands like whatever and just thinking about nothing or, or whatever. Meditation in the Bible is thinking God's thoughts about himself. I'm going to say that again. Not part of my message. Meditation is thinking God's thoughts about himself. I will meditate on thy word. It is not just thinking your thoughts or philosophizing. It is letting God's word dwell richly in you in all wisdom. That you speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. It is allowing God's word to make you wise. Hopefully we can be wise in friendships. So now we're going to go back. We've already done our parentheses, our side trip. Back to Solomon. And this passage that we're reading about is not exclusive to friendship or marriage. I think it has broad application. So here's what he says. Uh, Solomon is now giving us insight. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better at work. They can put 10,000 to flight. We know that. But in business, there is power in partnership. Well, I didn't have a lot of time to go into this, but I've read on this before. But there's when two people work together and there's a synergy there, like a unity, right? When two people really work together, it is more than twice as much productivity in life. And so I was reading just briefly about this. I've read a little more extensively in the past. Some business duos have become household names, and it gave a few examples in this article. Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak in computing, Sheryl Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg in social media, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, a silent partner in investing, Sergey Brin, Larry Page in online sales, teaming with another person whose talents complement your own to create a dynamic duo can be a great idea even when you're already part of a larger team. And I believe that when God allows you to marry, and, and marriage is not for everyone. Jesus was single. Paul was single. There's advantages to the single life. But when God teams you up in marriage, in ministry, in partnership, and there is a true, and I'm going to say spiritual synergy there, it's more than just double the effort of one person. Many organizations Function on a buddy system in the military and uh, first responders understand the power of two are better than one. But then Solomon says two are better than one on the trail 
are on the road. Verse 10. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Two are better than one. Friendship. And again, I believe this passage is broader than just friendship. So I can go with application tonight if you don't think it's the interpretation. Two, verse 11 says, are better than one in the cold. Again, two lie down together. They'll keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? I hope that refers to marriage. Verse 12. And make your own application of what I just implied. <laughs> Verse 12. <laughs> Two are better in a battle. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Fighting back to back allows you to have some watch, someone watch your back. The Bible says that the Lord is our This is the King James word, rear ward. He's our rear guard. He's got our back. God watches the enemy sneaking up behind us. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I've learned in relationships that a threefold cord, to get three people really working together, because you know that old expression, two's company, three's a crowd. You get three people woven together in agreement It's harder to braid, but it is harder to break. You get three people woven together in ministry. It is powerful. Now, let's go into some other biblical principles about friendship. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship. Now, here's a qualifier, okay? So we're going to pretend tonight, we're going to assume that you need a friend. Shocking revelation. So now you're going to look for one. So now we're going to have some criteria from the Bible and some general guidance uh, about friendship. Some of this may be somewhat scattered, but it falls under the banner of friendship. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. The New Living Translation says, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. You are blessed or cursed by the company you keep. Friends, rub off on friends. We'll get to this verse later, but as iron sharpens an iron, you affect one another in friendship. Someone said, if you sleep with dogs, you'll get fleas, so... And then the Bible says that you make and keep friends by being loyal. The Bible has a lot to say about disloyal friends. Psalm 55, 12, not on the screens. The psalmist says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, like, you know, when this psalm is like, it was you, like calling them out, right? Points to them. But it was you. I'm trying to point way up here so nobody thinks I'm giving subliminal messages tonight. I'm not even pointing to the online audience. 
but it was you, a man, mine equal, my companion, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in the throng of people who went to church. Zechariah 13, 6, it's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. You know, they would say, what are the wounds in your hand? And he said, these with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. He came to his own, his own received him not, was betrayed by his own people. These are some principles about being loyal friends, all right? Proverbs 11, 13. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Now, I want to give a qualifier here. This does not allude to a cover-up of something that is reportable or that you're covering a crime or covering abuse that should be dealt with. This is not about covering up. But I talked about this last Wednesday night, love bears all things. Love is like a container that holds in something that doesn't need to be shared. You're not exploiting the failure of a person. So I was listening to my Bible, and I think I might have referred to this when Saul and Jonathan are killed. David writes a song, and he says, tell it not in Gath, publish it not in Asculon. This is terrible. Saul was an enemy to David. David was not an enemy to Saul. But David said, let's not let this get out. Lest the enemy blaspheme God and rejoice in the failure in our own country. There's some things that you just hold. You don't so strive. So this is another, another verse, pardon me. Proverbs 16, 28. Still on the same idea of separating friends by strife, by being a divider. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. Be careful. If somebody comes to you in the spirit of prayer, spirituality, and, and their words are like a sword, to divide the body of Christ, our brothers or sisters or brothers and sisters. A whisper, a whisper. They, they don't yell it, they just whisper it. This is top secret. I'm only telling you. I need you to pray about something as they then proceed to gossip. You go, you got it, right? Proverbs 17 and 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Once again, there are things that have to be dealt with, um, but the Bible is the Bible. There's a lot of things, uh, obviously, that these wise verses are telling us that when you seek love, you try to contain but when you repeat it, you destroy relationships. Proverbs 25, 18. I told you there's a lot of Proverbs about friendship, right? A man who bears false witness against his neighbor. What is that like? It's like a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow. It's a weapon. 
you weaponize information, right? Verse 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble. And I think it refers back some Proverbs standalone. I think these stand together. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. You can't count on it when you need to chew and it causes pain. And you can't count on it when you need to walk because it won't support your weight. And an unfaithful person is like that. That's not the kind of friend you need to have. That's not the kind of friend you need to be. Making and keeping friends. Proverbs 27.10. You should be a loyal friend. And I will give a qualifier to this in a moment. Proverbs 27.10. Do not forsake your own friend. Or your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. I think there are two thoughts here. We're going to go with this first phrase. Do not forsake your friend. Now here's what I want to say in a qualifier. That in life, I've lived a day or two. That I choose to be loyal to principles over personalities. I am more loyal to the Bible than I am to anything or anyone. And God help me if I'm not. Because in the Bible, we realize that sometimes truth separates, right? So my loyalty to any person is contingent on their character. I cannot be loyal to a liar. It's not blind trust, blind loyalty. It's, it's based on a principled relationship. You know, the mafia has a lot of loyalty. I hear. And there are times, unfortunately, that you have to part ways over truth. I dealt with this a while back. You know, um, we have an unction from the Holy One that Wednesday night. Where did that come from? Message that I, I taught. I know where it came from, but, you know, it just didn't fit in a series or just an impression of the Lord. And I told you that night, I've taught it to ministers here and there, never taught it in our church. And I probably taught it for the first time 10 years ago. But sometimes you say, you know what? This is about truth. You're walking away from truth. You are now a false teacher feeding back in, trying to undermine the body of Christ. We break friendship over that. A backslider, I don't believe that's true. But a heretic, yes. Someone who goes into apostasy, false doctrine, who reaches back in and tries to destroy the church, that's a different subject than a backslider. Okay. Now, back to, the, back to our regularly scheduled scriptures about friendship. True friends love consistently. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend... Loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. What a great verse. We love to celebrate, and we should, the first responders who run to trouble and not from it. Jesus said that you know the difference between a shepherd and a hired hand. A shepherd, a hireling, he says first, runs when the wolf comes. Because he's just paid to be there 
and watch the sheep. But a shepherd, Jesus says, lays down his life for the sheep. When the wolf comes, he doesn't run from trouble. He runs to it. He defends sheep. And a true friend will defend his friends and fight for that person that they love. A friend loves at all times. It is not just when it is convenient. And a brother, I love this, you're just born for adversity. Amen. Now, there's another side of friendship. We're going to move into a little different area that's that's a little interesting. That friends need to know a little bit of limitations and when you need to back off some. Proverbs 25, 17. The King James was different. You can read this. I, the words triangulate. I read this in several translations. So I'm going with New Living here. Same idea. Don't visit your neighbor too often, or you might wear out your welcome. <laughs> Remove your foot from your neighbor's door, lest he be weary with you and hate you. Right. So that that's the idea that you need to kind of uh, be aware of the cues in the South when someone's ready for you to leave. They'll say, don't run off. (laughs) But in the South, you have to translate that. It's like a different language if you're not from the South. When someone in the South says, don't run off, they mean it's late and you need to leave. (laughs) Years ago in Jackson, we heard this story. I don't know if we were there and left, but there were some families visiting together. And um, the host of that gathering said, uh, you know, hey, y'all don't run off. Why don't you spend the night? And, and, and the other family said, we think we will. And they did. <laughs> true story. True story. <laughs> I love that story. Proverbs twenty-seven fourteen. My wife has a great story of this verse. From being in Bible college, we lived in dorms. She, she lived in the ladies' dorm. I lived in the men's dorm. There were no windows. It was very primitive, you know, but it was there. Not dirt floors, but it was pretty primitive. And there was a young, there was a lady who typified what this verse says not to do. So we'll read it and then preach about it. He that blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. Whatever time you get up, someone gets up earlier, and they want to text you. I always want to say, I will text you tonight. (laughs) Years ago, I was working the youth division, and I needed to call Brother James Blackshear Sr. in Alaska, Anchorage. And I was in St. Louis, and I wasn't really thinking about the time change. I called him pretty early in the morning from St. Louis, but it didn't dawn on me that it was several hours early there. And when he answered the phone, I could tell that he was asleep. And I apologized, and I said, Brother Blackshear, I am so sorry. Brother Jim Blackshear, his son, preaching for us this summer, I believe this summer, right, after camp meeting. And I said, Brother Blackshear, I am so sorry. I forgot about the time changing. He said, no problem, Brother Johns, I'll call you tonight. (laughs) So when that lady, I know her name, right? You know, went through the dorm singing. 
she was so happy to be up. And none of those other young ladies were very happy. They had the same name as my wife. That Carol was singing through the dorm, giving praise to God. It was not my wife. Same name. Not my wife. Not my wife. Scratch that from there. It was not my wife. I, I can tell you her name, but I will not. Her maiden and her married name. She's an awesome person. But here's what Proverbs says. A duh. This is what this is the John's translation. Duh. Be aware of other people's other people's schedules and lives. And, and you may mean it. In, you know, you're just trying to be a friend. But a friend, a clueless friend may actually mess up that friendship a little bit. You're blessing your friend with a loud voice rising in early in the morning. It may not be appreciated nearly as much as you thought it would. I love that verse. I love that. And boy, there's a lot of ways to apply that in life, right? You see a person's kind of antsy and their body language is saying, I need to go. And you just like, you have clueless and you're just locked in there. And you need to be aware, right, of that person. And is this a good time? You know, it's like by, you've ambushed them and they want to be polite and they're your friend and you should learn to read them uh, to be aware of what's going on, on the other side of that. So there's some practical stuff. Now, I want to drill down into this idea a little bit more. I learned this as a young man about, you know, this is an application. Don't visit your neighbor's house. Being considerate. If you have a friend, this is a pastoral note, and I'm very serious about what I'm saying here, that your friend is possessive who dominates your time, who becomes jealous if you have another friend. If you have a friend who wants it to be an exclusive, I'm not talking about your spouse, I'm talking about a friend, an exclusive relationship, and you're not permitted to have another friend, and they're just like, like hovering, that's a bad sign at many levels. If you've got a child, a teenager, and there's a friend of the same gender who's possessive like that. That's not healthy. And I think you can read between the lines. If you don't ask a friend, they'll help you. It is unhealthy for anyone to try to control you. Whether it's a pastor or a friend or a spouse to control you dominate you and isolate you and put you in a relational prison. It's unhealthy. So I know I got a little more carried away than I intended. Just have one little section here. But I've observed it and I've experienced it and I just know it. So there you go. All right. Moving right along. Good friends love you enough to tell you the truth. Proverbs 27, 5. Open rebuke is better than carefully concealed love, secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy, they're deceitful. When I was young, I was talking to an older staff member, a wonderful minister's daughter. She is amazing, wise. I don't want to call the name, a wonderful person. And talking about 
situation and wasn't sure what to do. And she said to me, you know, sometimes you need to care enough to confront. Um, and I thought, okay. In other words, if you, if you love that person and you love them enough to risk being misunderstood and getting upset with you, I think you should do it in the right way. Being brutally honest is brutal. You don't have to be brutally honest. That's not necessarily a compliment. But I'm just, I'm just teaching the Bible here, okay? Amen. That it is painful. The Hebrew says no chastening, I'm talking about by the Lord, is pleasant. No chastening of a parent is pleasant. And if your kids never have unpleasant moments because you're correcting them, you're raising a rebel and a really bad child. They need correction and direction. That's another subject. See, I didn't do Ephesians 5 and 6, so I'm just sneaking it in. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And a person who just always flatters you, you know, you beware of that too, the Bible says. Proverbs 27, 9, same chapter. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. And then the verse that we've already covered, verse 10, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. And I go to your brother's house. It's just saying to your brother lives a long way away. It's good to have a neighbor close by you've built a relationship with because you need them right now. You don't need to wait five hours for your brother to get there or you to get there. That's the idea of that verse 10. Same chapter, verse 17. Told you friends make friends better and You've got a bad friend, they're going to rub off on you too. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. This, I believe, is meant in a positive way. My grandfather was an incredible knife sharpener. I should be, but I'm not that good at it. But um, we do have this ability to hone the rough edges off of friends. When we went to Bible college, President Brother Kraft in chapel one day, he said, I know you're going to learn here that you, your roommate is your grace developer. Someone that you're in the dorm with or in class with, they are your grace developer. He said, but I just want to let you know that you're also their grace developer. You think they're the one that's got all the rough edges that need to be, you know, ground off. But here's a wake-up call, newsflash. You've got those rough edges too. And a friend, if you will allow people to be your friend and tell you the truth, they will sharpen you and make you better than you are. And I can tell stories of friends who love me enough to talk to me in times when it was not easy to listen to, but you need to have people in your life who can tell you the truth even when it hurts because as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Amen. I need to come in for a landing here. Our closest friendships should be with people of like precious faith. And I say this because the word fellowship in the Bible, it, it, it has to do with, there's a spiritual connection. And wonderful, you should have friends wherever you can meet and make friends. 
But Amos 3 and 3, can two walk together unless they're agreed? 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord is Christ with Belial? Or what part is a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement is the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Then the next verse, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, these promises of God being our father, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, a yoke was that wooden collar that went around the necks of two animals that allowed them to work together. But you couldn't just decide if you're one ox, ox one or ox two. You know, I think I'll take a break right now and you just go off on your own. You're yoked together. So you can't get out of that. It's like a contractual relationship, like marriage, like close friendship, like a business partnership. And you want to be equally yoked together. As a teenager, 15 years old, uh, a guy got in church, Bruce, and we soon became best friends. And we encouraged each other, strengthened each other, fasted a day together. My calling my best friend of all times in those years when we helped each other get through high school, living for God. He's still living for God. I believe I'm still living for God. You can check. But I thank God for that friend in my life who I was yoked together with all our friends at school, large public high school, 4,000 students. But thank God for my godly friend. Psalm 1 and 1, blessed is the man. It walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You need to make sure that who you walk with, who you stand with, who you sit with, are people of God that you have your closest communion with. For Abel, please stand. I have a little book in my library. I don't have time to do all the details. It's, it's a really cool little book. What every kid should know about dealing with friends. And I've used it, taught it before. So I'm going to run through the do's of being a friend. Do listen. Do show an interest. Do be lo loyal. Do be open. Do be considerate. Understand. Share your feelings. Give friends the benefit of the doubt. Talk over misunderstandings. Apologize all the days. And then the don'ts. Don't talk behind your friend's back or reveal secrets or criticize and correct, although I talked about that qualifying in the Bible. Don't be a pest. Don't borrow without returning. Don't be moody all the time. Don't brag all the time. Don't be demanding. Don't expect perfection. Making and keeping friends. Amen. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. And we need people in our lives who love us that strongly that they would go to the mat for us, 
And we need to love people devoutly. That we would be loyal and faithful to them. Willing to lay down our lives for them. Because that is the greatest love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. I know it doesn't say friendship. But a kind of relationship where there is true love. If you have a few minutes, you're welcome to join me in the altar and pray. Always give understanding to people who have super early mornings. And tonight, you know, I've taught a very practical biblical lesson, you know, and no one that I've observed is falling out in the aisle speaking in tongues today, but someone may come to God because you love them to the Lord. Someone may stay in church because you're their friend. So let's ask God to help us to be faithful friends, making and keeping friends. Would you pray? Just ask the Lord to help you and strengthen you. I pray, Lord, that you would help me show myself friendly. Lord, do not be focused on getting a friend, Lord, as much as being a friend. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us when friendship is inconvenient. Someone needs us, Lord, and we will be there for them, support them, and pray for them. I love you, Lord.